Hello, and welcome to a very special episode 77 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Kate, and for the third third time? Third time. Uh, third time. Oh my god. Uh, and first time for going forward as one of our new co-hosts, I am joined by at Real Baby Bird, Miranda, as our new co-host. Welcome, Miranda. Yay! Hey, Chris. Thanks for uh, having me on again after the last two times. Yeah, they were such a disaster, I know, but. <laughs> Honestly, Miranda probably provides better content than all three of us, like us and Keeks put together, so. Okay, maybe don't set the bar there, because I do not intend on meeting it. <laughs> That's fair. That's... You're, you're going to fit right in. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> um, so Miranda is joining us for uh, our next book, which is Leia our, Princess. Our next book is their current book. <laughs> Well, it's next since they've listened to it, since they've listened to the pod. They're going to get confused. You can't just say things, Chris. We are currently reading (sighs) Leia, Princess of Alderaan, a Star Wars young adult novel by Claudia Gray. I hate you so much. (laughs) You're just the worst person I've ever met. New York Times bestselling author of other works such as Lost Stars and Bloodline. Which, if you enjoy getting your soul ripped out, through your body forcibly with via feelings please do check out our other work because it's all incredibly good <laughs> yeah we haven't even gotten to the end of this one yet oh no i know it's it's great also to, it, to the person on goodreads who uh started their review by quoting the last few sentences of this book why did you do that oh did somebody do that mm-hmm. yeah it's a dick move bro that's a dick move. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I don't care about spoilers personally, but for other people, I'm sure they wanted to punch this person in the face. It was it was really bad. People, don't do not do that. It's bad. If you're, honestly, if you're ever posting spoilers for anything online, just like... Just don't. Go get some coffee. Also, just don't. <laughs> just like, whether people care or don't, like, why is, why is, why? Why is that what you're doing with your time? Why is this the life that you've chosen for yourself? What are you doing? Chris, what are you doing? What are you eating right now? <laughs> I am eating. Thank you for asking, Kate. I'm so glad that we could bring this conversation back to being about me. Well, well, people are going to hear you, like, fucking clinking your fork on the plate like the annoying human being you are. Oh, God. You know, our listeners love that sound. Um, I am eating a uh, chocolate lime mud cake, which is basically just like a brownie shaped like a cake. So I'm eating a slice of it. Um pretty good it's very good it's very delicious it is out of the cookbook crumb by ruby tando who for fans of great british bake-off she is uh the uh wonderful endearing anxiety ribbon anxiety ridden ruby from season two season two on netflix so, yes I, it's that's an excellent point yes. season two as uh put on netflix not actual season it's like actual season five or some shit of, yeah it's a whole thing doesn't care D- don't it's, it's like comic book numbering. It doesn't matter and nobody knows what it means. <laughs> Great. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and Chris, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm just drinking water because I've got a little bit of a sore throat because it's gone up 40 degrees in the past two days and my body doesn't know what to do with it. Also, it's probably because I like coughed on you yesterday. Is it? Yeah. Did you? Mm. Great. Thanks for that. Love you. How are you, Miranda? <laughs> Fantastic. Kate, what are you drinking? 
I I have two I have two beverages. One of which is I started making kombucha again, which is great. I almost didn't start making kombucha again because I almost threw my scoby in the garbage by accident. So that was bad. Um, but I did it. So now we're here. By the way, for any listeners who don't know how kombucha is made and haven't necessarily seen the process of homebrewing kombucha, don't. It's it's pretty don't, gross. Don't look it up. It's don't gross. ruin any illusion for yourself of what kombucha is and or looks like when being grown. Listen, it's it's disgusting. Grown. <laughs> Listen, it's no, it's like anything that is like theoretically good for you. It is it is it is truly truly just gross. Um, it, is it just like yeasty? Yeah. It's got mm. fucking job of the hut living on top of a <laughs> pot of tea. Yeah. No, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> It's true. Well, it's like it's more like Rod of the Hut right now because uh, I threw out the big one. God, <laughs> stinky. I know it. It kind of does doesn't smell a lot, but it has a smell. We're gonna stop talking about this. So I'm drinking that appetizing thing that was just described. Just and on, honestly, just you know, give us a nice glass of eggnog, and we'll have grossed out our entire listenership. <laughs> uh, just for you, Southern Cynic friend of the pod who just might throw the <laughs> yeah. pot out the window <laughs> to this point <laughs> <laughs> um i am also drinking uh penelanco wine uh anyway it's a merlot malbec and you can get it for like five dollars trader joe's i am plastic move going bottles to the face on this guy as i do it's the best way to do it it's gonna be great <laughs> um Okay, before we get started talking Miranda, about- what are you drinking? Can I oh, talk f- about my beer? No. I can't- I cannot provide the same level of beer talk that Kristen can. No. Um. Well, <laughs> the good news is, this is your first episode as a co-host, and Kate's already ignoring you, not letting you talk about what you're drinking, so we're off to a great start. <laughs> great start. <laughs> I'm so tired, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, I had therapy this morning. Don't even talk to me about anything. God, yes. was that today? Jesus. Yeah, I know, right? See? You see? Anyway, Miranda, please, please do expound. (laughs) Okay, so I don't actually know if this is going to be interesting because I'm pretty sure this is what Kristen had on the pod last week on the Throne Alliances wrap-up, but it is from a brewery called Level Beer. It is the Let's Play Dry Hopped Pilsner. Um, I had to look it up because I just bought it at the store, but it is a local Portland beer, and it is very tasty, if I remember correctly. Yay! I don't. I don't know that she had no. that last time. Actually, I feel like there's something. It's else. oh, it's the one with like the video game. Ooh, um, yes. Shit. Yes. And I obviously just spilled it all over myself opening it. So we're off to a great start. Right. But it right. looks like a <laughs> looks like a Pac-Man little guy on the on the can. Aw, Randa, this is how we know that you're one of us. You just like spill crap all over yourself. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Like that time I just knocked a glass over and scared the living shit out of Chris. It was fine. I still haven't listened to that episode. It probably sounds horrific. Anyway. Um, so as I was saying before, I cut Miranda off because I'm a rude motherfucker. Um, we wanted to talk <laughs> about the uh, circumstances surrounding the publication of the book first before we actually get into talking about the content. I'm going to let Chris take this away for reasons that will soon become obvious. Yeah. So we just wanted to talk about this really quickly because it's a, frankly, a really good example of putting your money where your mouth is and like mm-hmm. doing values right. Um, so for, if anybody remembers, this book came out, I want to say uh, like September-ish 2017, um, before The Last Jedi. And that's 2017, right? 
Oh, God. Time's a flat circle. It was. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Um, So this came out uh, September 2017, and when it came out, uh, some people online, uh, I believe led by at German Jedi, um, noticed that there was a line in it in which uh, one of the characters, Kier Domati, uh, and we haven't gotten to the equivalent part of this in this in our reading yet. But I would but say it's says, not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. But says something along the lines of, like, they're talking about how best to resist, you know, the Empire in a regime with so much hatred. And he says, quotes an ancient, Alder- or an old Alderanian philosopher saying, strength through joy. Um, which uh, many people uh, may not know because the American education system is garbage, wah, but wah. was actually uh, the... One of the slogans of the Nazi propaganda uh, bureau uh, before World War II, um, which uh, quite an unfortunate mistake. Um, Awkward. I say quite an unfortunate mistake because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, because Claudia Gray immediately came out and said uh, this was completely unintentional. Uh, I'm like super sorry about it, and. Uh, furthermore, and this is where, you know, really putting your money where your mouth is comes into play. Uh, a couple days later, an update came out for the Kindle edition, changing that line to something else. And in the uh, printing of the paperback edition, that line is also changed. So she worked with Disney Hyperion to actually get that line removed from the book so as it wouldn't, you know, be dramatic or offensive or to anybody or just, you know, philosophically wouldn't have any reference to, references to Nazis in it. Um, so anyway, that's why we haven't read it till now, because, uh, you know, since we knew that this edit had been made, I personally was waiting to buy the paperback version just to, you know, support that, the fact that that change was made. Um, besides the fact that you're, and also not to have have Nazis in the house. Um, (laughs) You're a wee bit Jewish. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's because I know people have been asking for us to read, uh, Princess of Alderaan for a while now. And so that's one reason the main reason why we haven't so far, but we're very excited to be reading it now that it is out in paperback. And, you know, as listeners who have been listening for a while know, we talk a lot about people in, uh, even creators in Star Wars who don't do things as well as we think they could like, um, or as well as we would like sometimes. Uh, Particularly Marvel. Uh, We talked a little bit when we were reading Phasma about some problematic stereotypes in there. Um, And since we are critical, we also want to call out this, you know, really great example of, Sometimes you're going to fuck up because people are human and we don't have every factoid about the world memorized. And that's fine. What matters is how you handle it. And this was a great way to handle it. And we're thrilled to be reading the book. Absolutely. Um, and the other fact that I just want to point out is that, you know, uh, the the Kindle update was pushed out not long after the book itself was published. I think it was within like maybe two weeks. And it costs money every time... Um, you update a text even if it's electronic, as you can probably imagine, because um, the way that ebooks are coded, like somebody has to go in there and like recode everything so that it works on every device, that like everything flows right, that you know you're not just like reading a bunch of gibberish. Like it's it takes a lot of brain work. It's not just automated. Um, so the fact that they were able to do it so quickly and you know put that cash up was really really wonderful. Yeah, it shows intentionality and it shows care and it shows you know a great deal of respect for fans who were frustrated by that so mm-hmm. props to everybody involved now let's talk about the book yay Boop. <laughs> all right 
Shall we? Well, Kristen's not here, but we can start with her favorite question ever, all the time, is you drop cake. Onto the plate. This is so loud. <laughs> Speaking of loud, Not as chop, loud as pork chop right pork now. Pork chop is running on his wheel right now. It's totally... Everything's cool right now, guys. Hamlet was so nice and quiet while we were recording. May yeah. he rest in peace. That's because... We were so loud that he was, like, scared. That's, well, yeah. What else? Our hamster had an anxiety problem. Our, our, our dearly departed hamster had a really bad anxiety problem. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so let's start by talking about when and where we are. And for my part, I would like to point out that I think this is really the first time in the canon that we're seeing Alderaan in any kind of detail aside from, you know, it getting blown up or uh, that last shot... Uh, one of the parting shots in Revenge of the Sith where, you know, they're abducting Leia mm-hmm. and you see all the pretty mountains and shit. Other than that, though, not not a whole lot of detail about Alderaan besides that they make great fucking wine. <laughs> great wine. I feel like we had a character, um, Nash, in Lost Stars mention it briefly, but I don't think it was extensive enough to, like, be an actual look at Alderaan. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely. I feel like he was like kind of waxing poetic about it. And so, oh my god! Sorry, I'm making a noise. <sighs> Even pork chop stopped running. Like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he was kind of waxing poetic about the scenery and stuff like that. But you, you, I, you're right. I it wasn't like you know they were. They, it wasn't an actual like setting that was described and had stuff happening in it, such as you know teenagers doing death camping and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it is the first time that we are actually seeing it. Nash, I think, you know, talked about, like, how beautiful Alderaan was, and I think mentioned a couple landmarks that I don't actually know off the top of my head if there's crossover here. There probably is. He probably mentioned... Um, I mean, the... it's the same author, so I would assume so. I'm sure he mentioned a Penza Peak. Probably. Yeah. Um, But, so yeah, it is the first time we're really seeing Alderaan. And in terms of when, we are, as is established in the first chapter... uh. Right around Leia's 16th birthday. Um, I say right around because, uh, as Leia explains, they consider her, what they call name day, to be the date that she was adopted, not the actual date of her birth, because that is obviously somewhat suspect, slash you want to keep it fairly vague. Also, what a shitty birthday. Also, yeah, shitty birthday. Empire Day, not a great day. Empire Day. Her oh. her and Ezra. I, well, yes. And if Luke. Thank you. They are, in fact, twins. Um, <laughs> uh, for more on how Empire Day is a depressing time to have a birthday, see um, season one of Star Wars Rebels. The episode is rather fittingly titled Empire Day. <laughs> what? Oh, just Filoni. Oh, yeah. Always well, <laughs> sighing at Filoni. If I ever sigh and you don't know what it is, assume it's Filoni. Cool. <laughs> um, just kidding. We love Dave Filoni here. Um... But yeah, so anyway, the fact that she's 16 means that we are three years before A New Hope happens. So in terms of things that we know are happening right now, um, we know that Jin is kind of in her lost period of, you know, going through the galaxy doing, you know, odd smuggling jobs or whatever. Uh, we know that Star Wars Rebels is in season two-ish. It's the beginning of season two, so... In Star so Wars Ahsoka Rebels. as Fulcrum is still, you know, yeah. around and well. Um, so by the time of A Princess on Lothal, obviously Leia is super involved with the Rebellion. Oh yeah, that's excellent, excellent point. So I feel like this is a few months before that because she and Ezra are both 16 yeah. in season two. Yep. 
you're exactly right. So this is a few months before that episode early on in season two of Rebels. Thank you for reminding me of that. I mean, I am the resident Rebels expert. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> because I, I don't have a problem. Uh, trying to think what else is going on in the canon right now that we might know about. Um, Thrawn I'm, is doing Thrawn things. Probably so many things. that It's probably around the, um, whatever, that planet that Price blew up. That battle. What? Remember when Price, like, murdered, like, thousands of people by, like, detonating a bomb inside a shield? Oh, yeah! It was probably around then. That was way back. I forgot about that. For more, please read, Thra- please read the first Thrawn book by Timothy Zahn. I totally fucking forgot. Yeah, Dan and Vosk, go look that up in his new uh, copy of Thrawn yeah, that can. we sent him because he left us a review on iTunes. Wow, Chris. Yeah. What a great plug. Yeah, see how I got that in there? Oh, Seamless. Oh, my God. Uh, now, well, now it's not. Nope, still seamless. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's kind of what's Miranda's happening. Miranda's quitting the pod. She's yeah, like already. already. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of what's happening. The rebellion is, as we're seeing, in full swing. Um, we haven't had that moment where Mon Mothma unites all the separate groups yet. Um, yeah, clearly. Into the alliance to restore the Republic. Jesus. Um, people are... Stop me if you've heard this before. Matt at Sagarera. <laughs> Can we talk if true. That? I know, right? Can we stop and talk about that for a hot second? Because I'm reading the book. And it, um, this is this is my first read through. Chris has read it before. Miranda read it in one sitting because she reads crazy fast. Um, but as soon as Panaka's house blew up, I was like, so where are you at, bro? <laughs> like, obviously it was him. No one else is that ballsy. Or violent. Yep. Which is uh, its yeah. own fucking thing please see for more about how saw is an angry black man in a not great way thanks a lot for putting these stereotypes in there star wars please see our first bonus episode so many cross references today yeah right god it's almost like we've read a lot of books and they all connect um ow that's a chair yeah i was gonna say i had nothing to do with me (laughs) um but yeah i was kind of wondering at the beginning obviously like like they're slowly coalescing all of their allies and stuff but they're yeah they're all very very separate i feel like there are cells that are more well developed obviously saw's partisans are quite sophisticated and they're blowing people up um we know that um the folks from rebels the ghost crew they're also they've also been doing this for several years but they're it's definitely not yet a thing where you know uh, the wider galaxy is aware of it or i think i mean obviously but i don't think they're even like really thinking about the possibility of rebellion at this point yeah i don't really think so either because i mean you take leia's surprise at looking at all this stuff in the wake of what happened to caldero station yeah it it seems very on the download too like Leia's very close to her parents and they are just low-key organizing this entire rebellion like at the highest levels and she has no idea that it's even happening she's just being like a sulky teenager going why don't they love me anymore <laughs> she had to you know what she had to go through her like luke period luke never gets out of his luke period oh my God. <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> listen you're not a skywalker if you don't spend at least some of your time just like m- like dragging your ass around just moping <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, Leia's lasts, like, a month. Yeah, and hers is at least, like, productive. Yeah. Unlike... She's like, 
Oh, this is what we're doing now? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go do that too. She's going to be grumpy while I do it. It's going to go to <laughs> Oh, Luke. But master, I have so many feelings inside of me. Oh, uh, Luke. Um, but yeah, also so that's Anakin. Kinda, uh, oh. Anakin. Also Kylo. All of them. Skywalker men are bad actually. Fucking drama queens. All of them. Every single one of them. Um, but yeah, so that's where we are in the timeline right now. Kate scrolled down, so I can't actually see what's next in the outline. Literally this. Oh, okay. The next, the next thing in the outline is the next thing in the outline. Oh, okay. Fair. Fair point. Cool. That was a good, good behind the scenes view that the listeners got if Keeks doesn't take this out when she edits. She's definitely not. Yes. No, there's no view chance. on this audio medium of how an outline works. Yeah. The part where I scrolled it down to where the next point started, and Chris was like, what's the next point? Well, I didn't know if you'd accidentally... Sc- I didn't know... Uh, never mind. You know it's numbered, head. right? That's how outlines work? Yep. Or so I've heard. Cool. Cool. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I hate I hate everything. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, I think we're probably going to, this is probably a conversation we're going to be having, um, all through the second half of this book and the wrap up too, but I just wanted to start talking about who Leia is as a character and how she develops through the kind of different eras of her life that we can see. So, um, I feel like you can group Leia's character development into roughly three stages. So we've got, um, who she is when she's 16 and like, wee little baby, um, at least in like in terms of how naive she is and um, her thinking about right and wrong and, you know, how war works and things like that. Um, And then there's um, the original trilogy and Aftermath and Last Shot kind of fit right in there um, because it's all in the same general period. Um, And then there's um, Bloodline sequel trilogy Leia where she's obviously older, she's a mom, she's... Sad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sad. Um, so, just wanting to, like, kind of start tracing her character growth. Obviously, she goes from this, like, wide-eyed innocent, I feel like, to being right in the middle of the war, to being like, Mom is tired. Please let me rest. Why is my son a shithead? <laughs> yeah. Also, like, just a note that, like, Claudia Gray has... At this point, a good chunk of the non-George Lucas Leia canon is Claudia Gray's. And it's really... And, like, so good. she just has her down. Like, Nails it. Mm-hmm. Can we just, like, get Claudia Gray on retainer to write, like, the life and times of Leia Organa after episode nine? I mean, also not, because she can also do so many great things and bring so much to the canon. But, like, what if, what if we do that? I would punch a baby for that. Maybe don't do that. And the the baby punching, not the Claudia Gray thing. That that I approve of. Oh. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing my hopes and dreams. It's fine. No, um, actually, no. I I will yeah. say though, like we've read Claudia Claudia Gray uh, writing Leia before in Bloodline. I loved it then, but like to see her just capture what it's like. Not to just be Leia in this book, but to also be, like, a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's am- it's amazing because, like, you know, I was an awkward teenager, but my parents weren't 
running this fucking planet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, like, she was able to do it in a way that it was still like, yeah, this this feels right. But also, it's like, the stakes are really high here. Yeah, she definitely does a great job of balancing the two. Um, I yeah. was just like, oh, my God. Just, like, cry, just like crying, cringing. Like, you, you know when you get that secondhand embarrassment when sometimes when you're an older person reading YA and it's like, why are these kids so awkward? Just because you, you want to die inside just because you remember being that person. And I was just, like, reading the scene with where um, Leia is starting her pathfinding class and she's meeting all the other students. And she's just like, hi. And everybody's just like, you're the princess. And she's just like, hi. Because, like, she says, like, she does, she, does, she like, she has no friends, which makes sense. And she, like, only spends time with her parents. So she's just like, how do people work and i was just like i relate to that <laughs> yeah i loved when she's like introducing herself to the apprentice senate is that what it is apprentice senate mm-hmm. legislature apprentice legislature, legislature. Yeah. and they're like okay say who you are and where you're from and what hobby you have oh which God. like fucking icebreakers the you worst could, in no galaxy can you escape them <laughs> but uh and then she's like hi i'm leia i'm from alderaan and I'm a princess. I know. Nope, that's not a hobby. <laughs> I intern with my dad. Nope, not a hobby. Um, I like storms. I know. And I was like, <laughs> oh, sweet baby. <laughs> so cringy. But yeah. It's like in that scene too, you could, uh, sorry, Chris, but you could like feel. Don't be sorry for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> You can you can feel uh like Kier next to her just also cringing from secondhand embarrassment mm-hmm. like kind of poking her like please say anything yeah <laughs> he's just like you're embarrassing us like it's so horrible so oh, good fucking god um as an aside have either of you ever done like do, model UN or like debate team or anything like that because I haven't surprisingly no. So, I was, like, in my high school's model UN club. Oh, even but better. The the, like, year or two that I was in it, we didn't actually do anything. <laughs> we had, like, one meeting the whole year, threw it on our little college application shit, and that was, that was kind of the end of it. Scamming the system early. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, kind of, kind of sounds about right. I don't know. I just, well, we all went to GW, so I feel like we just like all know the type of people. Who I was going to say, into this. doing meaningless things to put them on your resume. I'm not familiar. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but I feel like we're all like kind of familiar with the type of person who would want to be in the apprentice legislature. And it's just like, that in and of itself is painful for me, but I feel like that's kind of a unique thing that is painful for us having, um, spent some formative years in the place where we did yeah except i can also like being the little shit that i am like so i we've mentioned i believe that we went to school in washington dc um i was a political science major in washington dc as such i did my share of internships in various government offices including on capitol hill um i this has a point i swear um you just want to be real flashy right now don't you yeah, having the red badge of courage on Capitol Hill is nothing to brag about. Yeah. Um, okay, but people think it's cool. It's, anyway. it's really yeah. It, not. it sounds like you're bragging. I'm really. It's <laughs> my point being. What you get like <laughs> one out of every twenty interns, of which I was one, 
is one of those kids who's like, I want to learn so much and I'm so excited about this and government and it's so cool and we're going to do so much good here. And then every other person's like, yeah, whatever, man. It's, it's cool. You have to go through security to get in. It's weird. <laughs> um, and you can just like feel the like palpable difference between Leia and like, who's the other little shit from Coruscant? Uh, Chasalon. Oh. Ch- mm-hmm. Good old... Chasselon. Chasselon. Stevis. Stevis. One of those. Um, Good God. And then other people are like, no, we're going to put this thing on this planet because I don't care. (laughs) My favorite moment with Chasselon is when um, he's just like, I don't need to be strong. I'm rich. And then I can't remember who it was. But I think it was Haldo who was like, well, one day maybe you won't be rich anymore. And he just looked horrified. (laughs) And I died laughing it was perfect although it was not being rich would be the worst thing to ever happen to anybody absolutely i guess also i just want to state for the record that um we were recording this on february 4th on monday and ralph northam is still the governor of virginia so we're feeling really good about politics right now (laughs) and that's all i'm gonna say about that moving right along Um, terry mcauliffe most honest governor we've had out of the past three. Which is amazing. That's a Jesus. weird thing. It's incredible. Any, anyway, speaking of um, being being privileged and, you know, trying to not be a butthole about it, uh, one of the interesting things for me definitely in this book and at this stage of Leia's life is that, um, you know, she's, she's super precocious, which makes sense because of who her parents are and who she hangs out with which are her parents and how much they involve her in things because, like, they are trying to, like, ease her into being a grown-up, you know, some attempts being better than others. Uh, But she's, you know, she's got this incredible understanding, definitely more than I knew when I was 16, about, you know, how much corruption there was in the government, how the government is actually not a real legitimate government, um, you know, how her... At this point, anyway, how her, how um, her dad's trying to like fight the emperor and the senate, and how other worlds are suffering, and like she know these are facts she knows, right? But she like for the first time in her life, she's actually seeing what poverty and suffering and um, being a refugee, all what all that means on the ground, and she's just like, oh shit, life is bad. Yeah. Yeah, like it's all been very theoretical for her. Mm-hmm. And it, like she yeah. she can talk about the concepts and like, you know, write up a whatever memo or help <laughs> yes. her dad draft something for the Senate and be like, oh yeah, we're we're doing this thing, we're helping out. And then she goes to um, Wobani oh God, and sees like all of the refugees or future refugees just like living in poverty in these camps, and she's like oh, this is what this means in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And it's just, like, a great example of, like, what I wish all white women would do, which is just, like, actually sit down and think about what things mean. Like, she's 16. There's obvious reasons why she hasn't done this in her life before. And, like, I don't need it, like, like, people, like, white people to go to Africa and talk about how nice they're being to, like, black people. But I, like, I'm just, like, Oh, this is so great. And that's like, just like kind of speaks to, not, it fits in with Leia's character, obviously, but also kind of speaks to who Claudia Gray is as a person, which is why it's so great that she's writing 
for Star Wars right now. Yeah, one thing I actually said later in the outline is that Claudia Gray, between all of her books, is probably one of the best white Star Wars authors at diversity in her books and just folding it in in a way that, you know, is frankly almost unnoticeable yeah. um, in, in its commonplaceness is not a word, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like she makes it seem actually normal because it is normal. Exactly. It's not just because like, oh, look at me, give me some fucking brownie points for like including, you know, people of color in my book. But like, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure like the only white characters I can in this book that I can think of off the top of my head who aren't like Imperials are Leia and Haldo. Uh, I imagine that the uh, Coruscant guy would be too as well. He was black. Wasn't he? Yes. Or yeah, or I couldn't. Oh, I'm. Yeah, I might have missed that. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's uh, talked about as having dark skin and his hair's in braids uh, mm-hmm. in the Apprentice uh-huh. Legislature. Yeah. That'll do mm-hmm. it. My apologies. Um, but yeah, and I mean, looking back to uh, Lost Stars, obviously Sienna Ree is one of her most famous uh, African or uh, not African American, but you know what I mean. Uh, one of her most famous black characters. Yeah. Uh, and in Star Wars, so like she created one of the most famous in black Star Wars, absolutely. Movies, yeah. And it, looking back at Bloodline, we have uh, Greer Sonnell, who uh, she fan cast as Priyanka Chopra. So. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely. I um I had to look up who... So, Claudia Gray does this thing when she's writing where, you know, to make sure that she get, um, gets the diversity right and make sure that she's not just, like, writing stereotypes of, care, of like, how people... How people's appearances are. Like, she'll, she'll fan cast her own books, which I think is great, um, like Chris was just describing. And uh, the person she fan cast for Kier is uh, Rami Malik, And I was just like, oh... Yeah, I would have she also did, uh, been super thirsty for this kid when I was lazy. <laughs> it's funny because I did not know that, but that's exactly how I was picturing him in my head mm-hmm. from the description of him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good writing. Right? No, she's brilliant. That's um, great. But yeah, which this is kind of an aside, but, you know, combined with what we talked about in the beginning about why, we, you know, the mini controversy with this book when it came out, this is... This is kind of what it looks like. Like, this is what it looks like to care and to put effort in. And you can care and be really good at shit, and you're going to fuck up. Right. And what matters mm-hmm. is how you handle it. And, uh, it. and so that's just always a good thing for myself and any white folks that are listening to always keep in mind as we try to navigate the world of being good allies and accomplices. Definitely. And the the one the one other thing I would add is that Obviously, own voices is the most important thing mm-hmm. in any kind of storytelling. And, of course, if, for those of you who don't know, it's it, this is kind of a phrase that's been flying around ever since the We Need Diverse Books campaign mm-hmm. started, um, which obviously encourages publishers to publish stories about different um, underrepresented groups um, that are written by authors from those specific groups. Obviously, that is, you know, the most important thing, the goal, like the golden ideal, but... There are a lot of white authors and white writers who are just like, well, I want to make my books more diverse because I want my books to look like the real world, but I don't know how to do that without being tokenizing. And I'm just like, pick up a Claudia Gray book and just study it because she does that perfectly. Yeah. Like, this is what every single white writer should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. She does a great job of it. Yeah. Back to Leia. Yeah, back to, you know, the book. Hey, we were talking about the book. We were talking about the book. I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating for comedic effect, Kate. 
<sighs> He's crazy. I only keep him around to open my wine bottles, as Miranda and I were talking about earlier. It sounded like he did not do a good job of that either. <laughs> you know so, what? Uh... <laughs> I want to hear it. Literally <laughs> ripped the cork because it was so stuck in the bottle. That seems like a you problem, though. No, it seems like the cork's problem. Oh, my. Typical white man blaming other stuff. Not touch that with a 10-foot pole. Back to Leia. Um, <laughs> uh, again, we're, like, at the beginning of um, kind of, like, where we're at in, in terms of um, Leia's timeline of her life, I guess. Besides, you know, where she's, like, a conscious person. Baby Leia doesn't really count because she's... Yeah, this is the earliest we've seen her as a character, not an object, for sure. Right. Yeah, with <laughs> as somebody with real agency yeah. in the galaxy. Yeah, thank you for putting that in smart words on, like, whatever the hell I just said. <laughs> um, but, again, well, like we were saying before, she's at this point where she's kind of more naive, she's more innocent, and um, it's just kind of... Like, she's heard, again, it, like, things are theoretical for her. Like, her father's stories of the Clone Wars, obviously, you know, she knows it happened, and those stories are real, and it was horrific and stuff. But she hasn't really thought about war means, and then that conversation she has with Brea about how, you know, nothing is going to change without violence, unfortunately. Like, it might be violence for the good, but it's still violence, and that's idea is just completely foreign to her, to Leia, that is. And, um, you know, it's like... She, I wrote, I wrote on the outline, it's not called Starpiece, because unlike Mon Mothma, Leia realizes at a certain point that you have to, like, start punching people in the face. <laughs> well, unlike Mon Mothma, and also unlike her dad. Ah, uh, yeah. This is, this is the point of contention we, there, that her parents are at, um, at the point where we stop reading. Yeah. Yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, obviously, we all know how this ends, this being Alderaan. But, uh, womp womp. I mean, it goes boom. <laughs> sure does. But I mean, to be fair, it's not like her dad just sits on the sidelines until he dies, right? Like we see in Rogue One. When... Oh no, absolutely. He comes around for sure. Right, but I don't know. But what you were saying was kind of implying that. Oh no no no! That, uh, that's where we're at right now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that is where we're at right now. But I mean, he he gets he. I, I don't know if we see it in this book. We probably do. I'm assuming in the second half of this book. But like he gets to a point where, by Rogue One, he he's still a leader in the rebellion, and that has begun to actually like coalesce into an actual rebellion as opposed to various rebel cells. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, Jin Jin and the gang like they all go off to Scarif, and they know they're gonna die, and it's it's gonna be like it's their first like big open strike against the Empire, and he's just like. Let's do it, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's him and Mom Mothma mm -hmm. in the corner being like, all right, it's war now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I just, this is this is a great what-if question that we should, like, talk about on a bonus sometime. But, like, I really wonder what the New Republic would have looked like if Bale had lived. Yeah. That's a, mm -hmm. it's a good question. Because. It's a good question. I don't think they would have disarmed. No. Like that militarized hmm interesting i want to think about that yeah well we can we can kick it around some other day but just gonna put that seed in your brain hole <laughs> i do think and we'll you know we'll we're reading spoiler alert we're reading empire's end next um sorry danny 
Danny, Danny, it's coming. I know. Danny uh, tweeted us like, "Why isn't Why isn't it Empire's on yet?" And we, um, and well, we had to bump the schedule down a little but, bit. But and we do get a lot more of Mon Mothma and kind of, Girl. frankly, the challenges that come from being the only strong figure in a new government. Obviously, Leia's strong, but like, it's Mon Mothma, and then it's everyone else. Yeah. Um, and and we've seen a bloodline how well that worked out. Ex- well, well, that that's exactly my point. Like. Just the nature of having someone else with that gravitas in the room. Like, again, Leia's an incredibly important figure. Akbar's an incredibly important figure. But governmentally, it's Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Like, Akbar's military. Leia is very much kind of like Voice of the People style. But governmentally, it's Mon Mothma. And she doesn't really have anybody to challenge her, which is why the characters of Hostess Idge and Oxy Ray something. Nice. Um, her Tegruta aid are like kind of her like angel and devil on her shoulders and they're so important but at the end of the day she's the only one with actual decision making power and so it would be interesting to see what just having other voices like Bale and Brea in the room would have meant uh... I know or Padme oh no why would you do that? That's rude. Well, That's fucking rude, like, Chris. Listen, hold off your rudeness for like five seconds. We're gonna get to. We're gonna get to Padme. <laughs> Trust me, because oh my god. What gave me so many feels? Sorry, continue. Oh Jesus, no. Um, who put the sex point in the outline? Uh, me. Which? Um, I should have known with your bad hyphen usage. Go yeah, on. well. Um, <laughs> the the other thing I love about Leia's development, um, that we see in this is like as you said, she's you know she's baby Leia, but like what Claudia Gray does so well is that she still has that. That gravitas of Leia. She still has that, like, like you can see, realistically, in three years, her being somebody's got to sk- save our skins, Leia. Oh, fuck yeah. And like, like, she is, yeah. she's yeah. making the decision. She no- she does not hesitate. She trusts herself. And she, you know, is, you know, once she decides what she needs to do, she does it. Absolutely. I mean, like, her just, like, screaming at the, um, like, Chell Hutton, Chell Hutton people. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like chieftain or whatever just being like you can take this medicine or you can shove it up your butthole like, yeah basically <laughs> you know um uh related when she goes to wabani and uh everybody's like scrambling to try to get uh all the shit they're trying to give to them mm-hmm. she's just like no this isn't fucking working someone give me a loudspeaker and i'm gonna scream at everybody so we can get this done right <laughs> so good which is so great and yeah like one of those well, it's a little bit more of an aside, but what one of the things I really love about Claudia Gray's Leia is that she pays so much good tribute to who Carrie Fisher made this character into. Oh, absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if y'all know anything about Star Wars, which I'm sure you do, if you're listening to this podcast, like, Carrie made Leia Leia. Like, she doctor- she was 19 years old, and she rewrote that script, because she was like, this, this like, weak-ass princess you wrote for me, this is not going to work yeah, this, out. Yeah, this this isn't going to work for me. Right. So, like, if you ever feel like, like, like I, it doesn't make any sense that a 19-year-old girl or a 16-year-old girl would be this much of a badass, she existed, man. And we, God, we were lucky to exist at the same time she did. Right. Um, but anyway, what I was saying is, I was really struck by this concept of her never having a choice of what to do. And this is something that Kier says to her when they're on their hike uh, on Alderaan, uh, where, you know, she's making the decision to stay with Harp when Harp has broken her ankle or leave her behind. And Leia is, you know, very strongly in favor of not leaving her behind. Um, 
And Kier kind of mentions offhand, like, you know, obviously you were going to do that. You never really had a choice. Like, and not in a, you know, as she struggles with her internally herself, not in like a, like a shitty way. Not right, in like, like a, not like she like. For appearances way, but right. just in a like, you literally, you, you need to do the right thing. Not like a, like people expect you to do the right thing, but you just literally need to do the right thing. That's like what. That's what you, she does. That's, that's who you are. Yeah. And that really struck me because it uh, reminded me of, and this is going to be a big throwback, but when we read From a Certain Point of View, and we read, um, uh, I cannot remember what it's called, but the Obi-Wan Kenobi story, which was written by... <sighs> this is great, Chris. It's going to bother <laughs> me because he tweeted at us too. Shit. This is going to bother me. It's the Obi-Wan Kenobi story of him, his like internal monologue while he's fighting with Vader. Well, was it Caden Scott? It was Caden Scott. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, it's probably crash and burn without me, Chris. Yep. <laughs> I think it's called Time of Death or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but anyway, and one thing we said on that pod was that story, or on, on that episode, is that that story is all about Obi-Wan making his choice to go into the Force and sacrifice himself for the greater good. And it's the first choice he's ever really made in his life. And... That kind of makes me think about Leia. Does she have a choice? Like, what do you guys think? Do you think she has a choice or do you think she doesn't? Well, this is kind of a person, I guess. Uh, a person. This is kind of a question that I had more for later on because, you know, there's a lot of talk about destiny. And for Leia, of course, you can't talk about destiny without talking about the Force because yeah. of who she is. Yeah, that's um, fair. We can, if you'd rather, I'm happy to put a pin in this until the, the um, the end. Sure. I guess like, I mean, if you're introducing the topic, then I can like introduce like like an extension to the topic. I feel like at least for yeah, I have I have I have some things to say, as, as you might imagine from my monologue there. God help uh, me. I have some things to say on this topic. So yeah, let's let's bring this back in the wrap up. But like, well, let's think about it. Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, I mm -hmm. I do think there's like a relevant point there. So you know, she obviously stays with harp but i feel like a lot of it uh in something that we started to see in this first half of the book is that she was raised by two people who are very much like no we have to do this we have to be good people we have to you know lead this planet obviously but i just feel like because she was raised by people who are like that uh you know bale and brea are just very it's all of this first, it's Alderaan first, it's the galaxy first, it's whatever else first. She has mm -hmm. just internalized that so much to be like, no, this is this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, like, doesn't think twice about it. And be, especially because those are the only people she ever hangs out with. Like, she doesn't have <laughs> friends until, you know, she starts going on the hikes with the other uh, little nerd kids. Like... <laughs> but, like, th that is her external influence. Like, they have shaped yeah. her opinion. They've shaped, you know, or they've helped to shape who she is as a person. And, like, she's hanging out with Kier. He's like, oh, you didn't really have a choice. But that's because he probably has friends. And, like, he's been, you know. He probably has <laughs> Like, some people <laughs> don't have friends. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, I don't even know. <laughs> but, like, he he's had a lot of other influences on him it's not always mm -hmm. just like oh we're doing the right thing because we are people who always do the right thing or try to right. at the very least and so mm -hmm. 
I mean, right. I, I I don't know if it's a choice for her, um, or at least an active choice to do it. But I think that, you know, how she was raised and how she's been living her life for the 16 years leading up to it definitely influenced that for her. Totally. There's, there, I think there's a point at which, you know, she's thinking back on the lessons her parents have taught her and, um, like, basically what they've taught her is that the meaning of life is that your life is about service and it's about serving other people. Um, and so it's, it's kind of hard, I feel like, when that's what you think, you know, capital, capital T, capital P, the point is to, like, choose to do anything else and um the things i want to talk about later again are about you know uh, in terms of life choices are what is her destiny um which is kind of a slippery thing again if we think back to from a certain point of view um and that story there is another where we found out yoda actually wanted to train leia to mm-hmm. be the person as opposed to luke because luke is a useless twink um <laughs> in Miranda's words uh and then like what does destiny mean for her then like what are her choices after or how do her choices narrow or become bigger after alderaan gets destroyed you know what does the force have to do anything what does the force have to do with it and then like we get to a point later in her life where she's you know been in the senate for of the new republic for her entire life and she's so fucking tired and she like wants to go and go on adventures and like relive her youth or whatever the fuck and it's just like you know could she have literally done anything else with her life you know we've got Mm -hmm. the other path she could have gone down in legends where she becomes a jedi which is service in a different way but it's still a choice right so i don't know like lots of questions would like to discuss more later i feel like we have more complete picture of this book but just wanted to throw that out there for y'all to think about and also for our listeners to think about because i'm sure people are going to have like the most good questions about this book for us to talk about on the wrap up. Yeah, I have thoughts on this, and I actually disagree with you two a little bit. Um, I great see her. I know, right? <laughs> so thrilled. Um, I see her as very different from Obi Wan, and I see her as having a lot more agency in her life, which to me makes her almost more impressive. Um, but we'll talk. Hmm. We'll talk. Okay. Okay. I mean. To be fair, Jedi, by nature of being Jedi, don't have a lot of agency. So. It's, it, that's that's very much part of my thought process. When you get baby napped and thrown into uh, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the arms of Grandpa Yoda. like Yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, exactly. Like, just to go into it quickly, like, our thing with Obi-Wan is that, like, you know, sure, he's a human being with hopes and dreams. What He's, he's a person <laughs> and his name is Obi-Wan. Um, Fuck you. But he doesn't, like, when, when we say Obi-Wan didn't have a choice... A lot of the time, most of the time, we mean that he physically didn't have a choice. Like, there was no other reasonable option for him in a lot of things. Becoming a Jedi, there wasn't really another reasonable option. Training Anakin, not really another reasonable option. Uh, fighting the Clone Wars, not really another reasonable option. Hiding, etc. Like, these weren't really choices that he made. These were circumstances that happened to him and he made the best of them. I see Leia much more as, like, and we're going to see it as we continue through this book circumstances happen to her there is no question but she to me takes life by the horns in a way that obi-wan doesn't and kind of shapes her own destiny to use a cliche and 
yes, she, you know, we don't see it as her making the choice to be good or the choice to be better, to quote Luke Skywalker in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh. But, like, she was raised to understand that her life was service. But she is a human being. She knows that at any point, like, she could have chosen to not get involved with the rebellion when she found out about all this. She could have chosen after the rebellion to not go into politics. She could have chosen to retire from the Senate as she tried to do in Bloodline, but then she, you know, could have chosen not to reform the resistance or form the resistance. Um, Let mom take a nap. Yeah, like, well, exactly. (laughs) Like, it's it's exactly, and we'll talk about this more, but she won't let herself take a nap because she knows (laughs) that what she's doing is too important. Won't let herself take a nap, never heard of it. (laughs) Yeah. Very unfamiliar to everyone on this pod. Um, But, like, to me, she... Shit is blowing up around her, and the only person that she can control is herself, and that's what she does with her life. Whereas Obi-Wan can't control himself, and that's kind of the tragedy of Obi-Wan, is that he can't control himself until his final waking moment, final living moment. Well, that and... The only other big decision in Obi-Wan's life was whether to fuck off with Satine, but... Yeah, which we don't know as much about in canon. Absolutely. Right. Alas. Hopefully we'll get some of that in Master and Apprentice. I don't know, but the description of that book doesn't sound like Satine's in it. But I... also, a bunch of people were like, where's my girl Satine? And Tom very much did not answer them, so we'll see how it goes. I... Having read Claudia Gray in the past... If we get through an entire Claudia Gray book on Obi-Wan Kenobi without a single Satine mention, I will, I don't know, what's, what, I will, I will, I will eat my proverbial hat, as they say. I think you should eat pork chops turds. I, it, no. no. Absolutely not. <laughs> no more wine for you. That would be funny. I don't even have that much. Look at this bottle. That's, you're right. You didn't have that much. Ha ha ha. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my view on Leia and we'll continue to go into, but to me, Leia's actions are the result of conscious choices that she is making to be the person she is and that is different to me sure can i get in like a just a final word on this before we uh, move on to the next i i do very much agree (laughs) well i'm already talking so too fucking bad (laughs) uh i do very much agree like obi-wan he's a jedi like he's not allowed to have feelings or make choices that aren't like in battle um and i i do agree that you know, Leia certainly has more agency, but I'm not convinced that she thinks she does. Yes. I think she's just very, yes. like, she's making these choices, but I think she's just like, no, this is what, this is what has to happen. So it's what's going to happen. Right. I like, like her doing it out of obligation is like kind of too strong a phrase, but she's doing it out of duty for me. Yeah. Interesting. Or like a, a self-imposed obligation, which... Maybe the same as duty. Who's to say? But yeah. Interesting. Let's let's talk about this more and specifically talk about not just the, you know, is she or is she is she or is she not making these choices, but also where she is at different points of her life. Because mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my I'm just very clearly picturing in my mind the end of The Last Jedi where she just looks at Ray and she's like, We have everything we need. And that to me is a we are choosing to do this. Not because well, it is easy, but because it is had. I think. I hope you die. Um, I think one thing we have to take into account in, in Leia's characterization is who is writing her at various points. The Last Jedi was written by a dude, right? Yeah, that's Claudia also, Gray that's true. is writing Leia as 
like obviously as a woman but also as an older woman as a mom like and a, a person who has had to juggle a career and other stuff um you know carrie fisher basically wrote herself <laughs> into the original trilogy god bless her um but you know as much as ryan johnson was collaborating with carrie as he wrote the last jedi he wrote it yeah so anyway we'll talk later that's true and i mean you're not wrong about that and i also do think you could say that about pretty much any star wars character and that this makes it difficult to analyze for sure <laughs> wait a minute i want to be right how about you lick my butthole <laughs> oh boy so i i also think that one of the things that goes into it um just in like you know how she feels about her choices or whatever is the fact that in princess of alderaan she's literally 16 years old oh for sure yeah like you know, you've got the one part where it's just, you're a teenager and everything is super important at all times because you have no concept. Yes. Or, like, a very fledgling concept of, like, what is important and what isn't. And right. so she's at that age where everything is the biggest thing in the galaxy. Um, and so, you know, I think you see that, like, with her kind of view of the empire as opposed to her view of it later and you know maybe sometimes how it hasn't really changed like in the apprentice legislature or whatever they have them uh pick the location of like the next whatever it was that they did like an imperial academy or something yes and so you know she's like trying to do the right thing and then you know the empire pulls a bait and switch on her and like fucks up the planet that they the little old nerd kids. <laughs> Miranda. You can't say it with a straight face. You're just like, little nerdlings. <laughs> but so they're like, they, you know, the the kids in the legislature, they pick something and they're like, yes, this is good, this is good. And the Empire's like, no, we're going to ruin all these people's lives. And they're like, oh, shit, this is not what we intended. And Leia, obviously, is somebody of, like, she's very principled. She was raised by people who was principled. She wants to do the right thing, and she she really believed in, like, picking a good planet, and she's like, well, what the fuck just happened here? Mm-hmm. Like, it affects her way more than it does everybody else, and it's just, yeah. like, kind of over the course of her life, you see the progression. Like, when she's older, she's like, oh, of course they're gonna fucking do this bullshit, like, mm-hmm, just waiting for whatever. Um, the only thing in the original trilogy that it brought to mind was when they blew up Alderaan? Yeah. And I'm just like, how did you not know this was going to happen when you told them <laughs> that the base was on Dantooine? They're like, oh, no, we won't blow up Alderaan now. Thank you for your cooperation. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're doing it. She goes, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's that's kind of the only indication you get in A New Hope that she's actually 19, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, she should... I think, like, as adults, we can look at it and be like, well, why didn't she learn your lesson? But she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a child. Yep. It's like, you know, especially, like, in A New Hope, she just kind of has, or by this stage in her life, she has, like, all this responsibility. She's big in the rebellion. But she is still 19. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that now. I'm 26. 
Right? Like, I could, I could not handle that. And she's just out there doing the damn thing. Star Wars, children dealing with bad, bad shit. Never heard of it. <laughs> Still so mad that we're never going to get that Carrie-centric episode nine that we were supposed to get. Ugh. Tell me about it. Um, Still mad. Forever mad. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Do we want, do we want, Chris, do you want to talk about your Panaka feels? Oh, I can just talk about it quickly. Um, I, oh, first of all, okay. before you go into that, I just want to, like, as a sidebar, say that um, there was this thing I read by somebody who was just like, I don't know why she had to go to Naboo. This is completely trainees to the story. They should have, like, cut this out. And I was just like, can you go die in a ditch? Excuse you. <laughs> Books are extraneous to the story. I know. Anyway. This, I'm sorry. This, of all the arguments in the world, that's just the, the most inane one. They're like, this book is so long, why? There's so much unnecessary crap that happens. I was like, okay, like, that's an opinion you can have about Claudia Gray's books, but sure, go off, I guess. Books are unnecessary, that's why they're books. Jesus. Uh. Wow, damn, good God. That's rude. Chris hates books, mortal. Oh my God. (laughs) Good thing Um, he runs a pod about books. Anyway... The 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 Panaka chapter gave me so gives me so many feels because so for those who don't, aren't as good with names, looking at you, Kristen. Ah, uh, uh, she's Panaka, gonna be editing this and just die. <laughs> uh, Moth Panaka is uh, Padme's chief of security in Episode One. Um, Happy twenty year anniversary to that movie. Yeah, Woo. coming up in May. We're so fucking old. Yeah, but yeah. Ugh. Um, but so a just seeing him again is a fun tie in. But his, it's fun the right just way. like, yeah, his reaction to seeing Padme is just so, in Leia. Or in, in, Freudian slip there, reaction to seeing Leia and seeing Padme in her, where he's just like, oh, it's so nice to meet, what are those? <laughs> like, you know, like, and he's just wearing her mom's dress, right? Like, yeah. it's like, must be crazy times Yeah, for like, he probably thought he was having a stroke. Yeah, like, literally. And, like, just like... The, and also when you look at who he was and like kind of as he's described as kind of this like honorable person, but who is like supremely loyal to Palpatine, but who obviously has to know at this point that he's not like, he knows he's the bad guys. Like he's, it's like that, it's like that sketch, I think it's Mitchell and Webb sketch with like the Nazis being like, are we the bad guys? (laughs) Um, Right. Like. Because Panaka like, knows he's the bad guy. Right, like, because when they go to him and they're like, hey, these miners are dealing with this bad shit, he's like, oh, yeah. He, like, he's not surprised. He just didn't want to deal yeah. with it. Because if he had to, if he dealt with that, then, like, where does it stop, right? Like, yeah, he has exactly. to deal with everything. It's a, yeah, it's a survival tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see that and to just get that memory of who you were and who you wanted to be and how much you believed in the Republic and to see that purity in Leia... And then to, like, hear her story and understand that this is your charge's daughter. Who you didn't know existed. That's that's a lot of feelings to take in in one afternoon. Right, and it wasn't a secret that Padme, by the time Padme died, that she was pregnant because they made her. I don't, I don't know that it was, like, super duper known, but, like, but also people like, who knew her knew. She was carrying twins. She was a house. Yeah, people who, people who knew her absolutely knew. Uh, you're right. So like Panaka knew and that she, she was pregnant have... and presumably knew or presumably heard the story that her child, because nobody knew it was twins, that her child died uh, when Padma died. Right. Um, 
I know we don't have a lot to go on in the book, like, because we see Panaka for about five seconds before he gets real dead. Um, but what do y'all think made him decide to just be like, yeah, sure, I'll join the Empire. This is fine. Like, is it survival? Was it, like, some other crap? I think it's loyalty to Palpatine. Uh, yeah, I think it's duty. You know, he was a Ugh. chief of security on I Naboo so. for the yeah. Queen and... Palpatine was a senator from Naboo. Fair enough. Yeah, like I mean, at the end of the day, like God, he is, you know, he was a military guy, but he wasn't a leader. Like he was a right hand man. He was a follower, mm-hmm. and he was a very devoted one, as we saw how devoted he was to Padme. And he clearly, you know, from the few scenes that he has with Palpatine in Episode One, like he has this very strong feeling toward his home planet, and that'll get you. Do we know what he's doing, what Panaka is doing in episodes two and three? Um, we don't. I want to say from, I want to say this is from the Attack of the Clones novelization back in the day that Captain Typho, who is her chief security in episode two, mm-hmm. is Panaka's nephew. And at that point, Panaka is like back doing security stuff on Naboo. Yeah, was he not in that scene in Attack of the Clones um, where they're meeting with the new queen? Oh, good question. Oh, whatever the I don't fuck. know, actually. He might be. Like, I think he's oh, still maybe. doing security things. Yeah, he may be in the background in that. I don't know. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, if my, anybody no- noticed this, please tweet at us. <laughs> yeah, my assumption would just be that, like, he's still working for the, mm-hmm, you know, ruling folks mm-hmm. on Naboo. Yeah. Right, which would make sense as to how he kind of just, like, you know, tripped and fell into, oh, I guess I'm an Imperial now. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, especially... I think it's just, you know, if you're in the, if, if you're, if you're in the military and there's a government takeover, like, do you commit treason or do you like stick with your, like, like what is, what does honor dictate to you? You know what I mean? Right. And that's what a hard question. Yeah. What were you saying, Miranda? Especially like just in the beginning of the empire, like they didn't mm-hmm. know Palpatine was evil true like nobody right. knew he was a fucking sith lord so he's just like oh yeah senator palpatine's in charge now he was the chancellor he's gonna be emperor now i'll okay i'll, I'll play along with him i know him we're right. from the same planet yeah like, like we i have, trust him i'm sure we yeah. have a rapport i'll like go along with this and then totally i'd also assume that you know once he becomes a moth he's like oh, i'll keep doing this yeah at that point you're in too deep exactly and then like i mean it feels like what he was trying to do was Kind of in this weird holding pattern where he was, like, not super doing anything, but also he was the buffer between things being actually super bad for Naboo. Possibly. I want to know more about Naboo, because obviously Naboo was a target of Operation Cinder uh, post- Yikers! uh, um, Post-Endor, as we saw in Battlefront 2, and as we saw in the Shattered Empire comic. Yeah. Um, So, obviously- Palpatine was ready to waste his home planet, but it does seem like they were relatively, you know, protected, you know, being Palpatine's home planet, you know, potentially Moth Panaka's influence as well. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they're like, people are very, in this book, are very convinced of the fact that he's, like, not necessarily a morally bankrupt man, just, like, in a real bad situation that he chose, but also now can't get out of, so. Yeah, that's what Brea thought. Yeah. Brea was, like, he was like the one person who we thought maybe we could talk to. Like, yeah, it was a really shitty move to like assassinate him. And I mean, Bray and Bale are politicians. I feel like 
by nature they have to be able to get like decent reads on people so yeah. i have no reason to doubt what they're yeah saying and yeah. stuff Miranda, i mean how much... sorry what uh, i just i like also yeah. i i think that compared to like the rest of the moths in the galaxy mm-hmm. panak is probably one of the better ones uh yeah because <laughs> He's not, like, actively trying to destroy his own world. Yes. Like, he may I not mean, be the best at running it, but... Right. He's not I going mean, out of his no way Moff to kill Gatti people. He's no from Thrawn. Oh, he's me. no Tarkin, for sure. I was gonna say, like, that's that, like, three seconds we see Tarkin at the beginning of the book where it's just like, hello, motherfucker. Like, good God, that man is so evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, Miranda, how much of Battlefront have you seen, if any? So, I'm not very good at video games. That's real. Or, like, at first person kind of thing. So, I... Yes. I finally made it past the part where they're on... Is it Endor? Yeah. At the very beginning. Or is it... Is it Endor? They're on Endor in the beginning. Okay, yeah. So, I'm currently in, like, the... When I say currently, I mean, like, a month and a half ago when I last tried to play it. Um... (laughs) Yes. I've gotten as far as, like, the space, the TIE fighter bullshit above it. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I, yeah. I think I've, like, read through what happens mm-hmm. in Battlefront, because okay. I wanted to know, because I knew I wasn't going to play the game. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just just curious, as we talk about Operation Cinder, which is so delightful and yeah, fun. I have no idea what that means, so. Okay. That is fine. You, you can find the cutscenes super easy on YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah great it's really basically they are trying to pull an alderaan on a whole bunch of different planets to like get rid of even more evidence of how the empire is very bad bad oh, and just to inspire fear because they can yep which we're gonna talk a lot more about in empire's end Hooray! um and then just the last thing about panaka mm-hmm. the force man like literally two minutes in either direction i know right oh, explosion yeah. Fuck. and the entire fate of the galaxy is different two minutes earlier leia dies Two minutes later, not uh, Leia's gonna die eventually, but Palpatine knows that right. she was hidden. Right. And 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 Vader knows right. that she was mm-hmm. hidden. Right. And it all gets dragged out of bail, I guarantee you. Totally. And he knows where that Obi-Wan exists, and he knows that Yoda exists, and, it all and falls he knows apart. that Luke exists, and it all falls apart. Absolutely. And then they blow up Alderaan. Yep. Except, like, in somehow an even worse way. Yeah. <laughs> Yippee. Um... I really wonder, like, so I, I don't know if we get it in the second half of the book, but the, at least in the first part of the book, we don't get a lot of, like, Leia being able to, like, use the Force or anything, or at least if she can, she's not able to, like, recognize it. I, I wonder if she had at all an inkling of what she was capable of, if she would have, like, at that point been, like, that little, like, bulb of, oh, maybe I should haul ass out of here, would have gone off for her, or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Cause, I mean, because, you know, we see it in Bloodline, obviously, with the fucking napkin bombing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um, so, my last topic is not really a topic, because we're going to talk more about Haldo probably next episode. But, oh my, uh, like, everyone who described Amblin Haldo's character to me in this book was like, she's Star Wars Luna Lovegood. And I was like, all right, sure. And then I started <laughs> reading, and I was just like, uh-huh. Yeah. That's the only way to put it. Um, she's a... Strange, loopy, very colorful, like, human being. And I just, like, obviously, when we see her in The Last Jedi, like, you know, we 
Poe's reaction is our reaction. She's not what we expected out of a vice admiral. Um, hair's still purple. Still wearing weird shit. Um, hair's still purple. And, uh, <laughs> and so I just like, it is, it's so interesting to me how she gets from being this kind of like, who, this person who everyone assumes is like a fucking space cadet into, you know, what is it? Battle a literal of... space cadet. Yes. She's Battle a space of... senator. Battle Excuse of Chiron me. Belt. Yes. Yes. All that. Yes. Battle of Chiron Belt. Admiral Haldo. And... I'm sure since this is a Leo-centric book that we don't get, like, a ton of Haldo throughout the rest of it. But, like, My Kingdom for... Okay. But still, I, I stand by this, though. My Kingdom for a Leia and Haldo in their 20s early New Republic book. Yeah, oh that absolutely. I want that. I mean, we need the Battle of Chiron Belt. It's, it's going to happen God, at some point. please, for the love, I would kill someone for like, that. Presumably, it's I, in I the would... rebellion, not during the Resistance era, because there weren't many open battles. But right. like, mm-hmm. no, I I love Holdo as a character. I know not everybody does. I fucking love her. As they a character. also can lick my butthole. Yep. Um, <laughs> I love her character, and I actually can absolutely see like the direct line between young Holdo that we see here and Last Jedi Holdo. Which I was saying, like, I'm sure I'll. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I want it to be spelled out for me because it is because it is different. Like it's very much like you go from carefree Holdo to you've seen some shit. Mm. Um, yeah, she's battle hardened to say the least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it just gives me like Laura Dern's performance as Holdo is fairly understated. Um, mm-hmm. Laura Dern's oh, an actress actually fairly so understated, good. but yes. um, she just I that's a role that's going to continue to like age like a fine wine for me. <laughs> I have no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I loved Holdo and The Last Jedi. I absolutely loved um, how she was portrayed, certainly in the first half of this book, as just like the weird fucking kid in the corner looking at all the pretty colors. And I I am very much looking forward to discussing her um, more in the next episode and in the wrap up because I have so many feelings about her. Oh, you're going to have more. I mean, she Brandis read the whole book. I, I oh book. yes, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you have. <laughs> she just, Kate's gonna she, have more. She binged it. Oh yeah, Miranda reads Miranda, super, super fast. Miranda, you taught me how. Oh no! Is that what happened? Like... I'm not ready. Well, no, you're not. We'll go you're into it not. later. Oh, God. You're fucking not. Guess All right. I'll anyway, die. let's Guess just let's end it there before we start crying. <laughs> Guess I'll die. Thank you for listening. I just want y'all to note that my note for Panaka is "Guess I'll" in parentheses, literally die. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode 77 of the Book Wars Pod. Uh, next week we're going to be continuing Leia, Prince of Alderaan, reading the second half of the book, chapter 15 through to the end. Uh, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod, BookWarsPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And rate, re- blah, 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 blah. rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Mega Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Jesus, I didn't even have alcohol. Oh my God. Um, when you review, leave not just a rating, but an actual review, you are automatically entered to win free shit. Just like Dan Voss did last week when he run, won a free copy of Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. Yay. So be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have the means, we would love it if you would donate to the, the Tosh Station Radio Patreon or give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. It really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. This is like noise pod this week. Sorry, guys. Right? Um, 
it helps us cover our production costs and uh, put together some Star Wars Celebration swag. Um, we are coming up on Celebration pretty quick. Uh, we want to be able to provide that uh, to people who are there and, you know, send it out to fans who aren't able to make it. We just need um, 40 bucks, y'all. Yeah, we, we don't need that much. Um, we're pretty close. Um, and I, you're, when you hear this, earlier this week, I posted a couple of Pork Chop pictures on the Instagram. If you like that, there's plenty more where that came from. He's running on his wheel right now. So <laughs> give us coffee and you'll get more Pork Chop pictures. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joby Terra Design. For uh, Kate and Miranda, I almost said Kate and Kristen. For Kate and Miranda, <laughs> I'm Chris. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Book Wars Pod, and we'll talk to you next week. Chris, the white clear, queer ladies on the show are not interchangeable. <laughs> we are both brunettes, so, like, I get it. Oh, my God. <laughs> sorry. sorry, is your name Jin? Fuck. That's it. <laughs> I don't think blondes are accurately rep or uh, fairly represent represented among our podcast. God, I killed the joke because I can't talk.